Episode 58 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on November 6th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. talking about the United Forces campaign and server mergers for weeks now. Well, guess what? It's finally happening. I'll tell you everything you need to know. And once the dust has settled and the new servers come up, I'll tell you what you can expect when you log on for the first time. Finally this week, Blizzard Entertainment announced they're building a classic server for World of Warcraft. Does Star Wars The Old Republic need one, too? I'll give you my thoughts later in the show. And with that, it's time to make the jump to lightspeed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Welcome to Episode 58 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for The Old Republic. Well, my contest is over, and I have notified all of the winners and gave them their codes couple of them reported issues with the codes, so I'm working with Eric Musco to get that sorted out. I'm going to hold off on announcing the winners today in case someone gets screwed, which I highly doubt will happen. Other than that, I don't have any other announcements for this week other than to remind you that maintenance is Wednesday this week and not Tuesday. They're rolling out this little patch called the United Forces Campaign. And with that, let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. The big news, dare I say the only news this week, is the United Forces campaign and the merging of servers. When maintenance concludes on November 8th, the game will be reduced to five servers. No more scrolling on the server select screen. All the servers will fit nicely into that pretty little window. Now normally when a game goes from hundreds of servers down to five in the course of six years, That's cause for alarm, but overall there seems to be a lot of excitement about everything coming together in United Forces. So, where are you going to land on November 8th? Well, here's the breakdown of the servers that are merging together. Harbinger, Bagarin Colony, and Bastion are all going to be on Satil Shan, which is a North American server. Jedi Covenant, Shadowlands, Ebon Hawk, Prophecy of the Five, and Jung Ma are going to be on the Starforge, which is also a North American server. And remember that those North American servers are all on the East Coast. In fact, I think all of their servers are now on the East Coast. All right, if you're on Progenitor, Tomb of Frieden Nod, and Red Eclipse, you're going to be on Darth Malgus, which is a European server, uh, English-speaking. Mantle of the Force, Battle Meditation, and Darth Nihilus are going to be on the Leviathan, which is a European-French-speaking server. And if you play on T3-M4, Vanger Valis Chain, and Jarkai Sword, you are going to be on Tulak Horde, which is a European-German-speaking server. Those are all the servers that are coming together once you land on your new home. What can you expect? Well, BioWare is very, working very hard to make the process as seamless as possible. That doesn't mean that on November 8th, everything will be the way it was on November 7th, with just more people milling about. That's probably the best case scenario. 
How you're affected depends on several factors, including how many characters you have, how many legacies are merging together, and how long you have been playing, and how long you have had some of these characters. The biggest area of impact is going to be character names. Uh, character names must be unique. This is just one of those hard and fast rules that they can't seem to do anything about, which means there is going to be some name collision, and there is a chance you will be forced to rename some of your characters. Now, this isn't going to be a free-for-all, and there are rules in place to help players keep their names. First, names will be removed from characters that have not been played within the last 90 days and which are below level 10. Names will also be removed from long inactive accounts. Subscribers will have priority over free-to-play and preferred status players, and highly played characters will have priority over characters with less playtime. Now, character names are a concern, as are character slots. You don't have to worry about losing your character slots, of course, but depending on your situation, you could find yourself over the character cap. Now, last week I told you that to help with this, BioWare is giving us more slots, and so just to recap, free-to-play players will have a default of four characters per server, up from two. Preferred players will have a default of 12 characters per server, up from six. And subscribers will have a default of 24 characters per server, up from 12. The maximum character slots per server has been increased to 100, up from 52. And here's how that might play out. Let's say that you are a subscriber who has never bought any character slots. You have 12 character slots per server. After the update on November 8th, you will have 24 slots per server. Or let's say today that you're a subscriber who has purchased 30 additional character slots, meaning you have 42 per server. 12 default plus 30 purchased. After the update, you will have 54. 24, which is the new default, plus your 30 purchased slots. Now, if you're at the character cap on three different servers and they're all merging together, here's what will happen. The universe will explode. Now, once the dust settles from that, you're going to find that you're way over the cap when the merge happens. You'll be granted 12 additional slots, which will bring you to a total of 64. You can purchase additional slots to get to 100. However, you'll still have 56 characters too many. So in this case, you won't be able to create any new characters on that server. However, you'll have 56 more characters than is allowed, and they'll all be under one umbrella. If you are merging multiple legacies, there will be an impact. And the basic rule of thumb here is highest legacy wins, meaning the name and level of your highest legacy will be maintained. If you have two level 50 legacies that are merging, it may come down to a coin flip regarding which wins, but remember, you can always purchase a legacy name change from the cartel market. Legacy unlocks will not be affected, but legacy currencies will. If you go over the currency cap, you'll get to keep what you have, but you'll need to spend it down before you can earn more. An example of this is command tokens. Now, if you're merging multiple legacies and your legacy cargo hold fills up, any items that don't fit will go into a new storage called legacy overflow. Now, the way this will work is you'll need to make room in your legacy cargo hold before you can withdraw items from this storage and you can't put anything else in it. It's not meant to be permanent storage. It's just there to allow you to get things in order. Achievements, reputation, and contents in your mailbox will remain unaffected. 
If you're merging legacies and you go over the cap for your cartel market item stash, you'll get to keep all the items, but you will need to clear up space before you can add more to it, and the cap is staying at 500 items. All of your appearances in the outfit designer will remain intact. You will not need to redo any of your outfits. Your friends and ignore lists will also remain intact, save for any names that got changed. As far as the GTN goes, all of your listings will still be there. You might want to consider pulling them because we don't know how the economies are going to shake out on these new servers. Initially, these listings will reflect the economy of the server they came from, and they're all a little bit different. It's not clear what will be priced too high and what will be a bargain. I think the good news is if you're coming from a server where sales were somewhat stagnant, you'll now be in an environment where people actually buy things. My thought is that prices will probably drop a bit from what we're used to seeing, mainly because there will be a lot more sellers. Yes, there will be a lot more buyers too, but I think we'll see a lot more items go up for sale and a lot more undercutting going on. Moving on to strongholds, if you are merging legacies together, all of your strongholds will remain intact. If you have two fully decorated Yavin 4 strongholds, you will still have two fully decorated Yavin 4 strongholds after the merge, and you will be able to access them both. The stronghold cap was recently increased to 10, and if you go over that cap, you can still access all of your strongholds, but can't activate any new ones until you deactivate enough to fall below the cap. In terms of decorations, if you are merging legacies, and have duplicate decorations, they will not be combined. Whichever legacy had more of a particular decoration is what you'll have after the merge. For example, Legacy A had 15 chairs and Legacy B had 10. After the merge, you will have 15 chairs. It is possible that you could end up with more decorations placed than you actually own. Sticking with the above example, on Legacy A, you decorated a stronghold with all 15 chairs, and on Legacy B, you decorated a stronghold with all 10 chairs, you will own 15 chairs, but have 25 decorated across your strongholds. If that happens, you will not be able to place any more of that decoration until you go below your owned value. So in the case of those chairs, if the maximum you can own is 999, you would have to purchase 11 more chairs before you could put another one down. Guilds and their banks, strongholds, and flagships will all remain as is. The only thing you might see is the original server name appended to your guild name if there is another guild of the same name. Transfers and conquests will remain disabled after the merge. Conquest will resume on November 14th. And server transfers will be back once Bioware has determined that everything with the United Forces campaign is stable. PvP ranked Season 9 will continue as planned, and you will retain the rank you had prior to the United Forces campaign. In addition to all of these changes, we'll have the chance to earn some achievements and rewards. There's the Mini Mogul NM-1 Mini Pet that you get for logging on between November 8th and November 27th. Then there's the Darth Hexed Companion that you can get by completing either three PvE activities or three PvP activities through the Group Finder. And remember, you can't mix and match here. There are also two new achievements you can get. The United Forces Group Recon achievement is earned by completing three PvE activities via the Group Finder. And the United Forces Warzone Recon achievement 
is earned by completing three PvP activities via the group finder. Now, if you're at all concerned about whether you've met the requirements to get Darth Hexed, just check to see if you have one of those achievements. If you have either the United Forces Group Recon or the United Forces Warzone achievement, you will have done enough to earn Darth Hexed. And you'll earn the achievements as you complete them, but the pet and companion will be handed out on November 28th. There is also a double XP, CXP Valor, and Requisition event happening through November 14th. Now, I don't know how United Forces will affect weekly resets. I suspect they won't. So because of the double CXP event, you might want to hold off on completing the weeklies for Yavin 4, Oricon, CZ-198, The Black Hole, and Section X, as those weeklies were buffed last week. Also, there are reports that the McKeb weekly was not buffed like it should have been, so you may not want to waste time on those until that is fixed. Oh, and by the way, a number of you let me know that the Aurora Cannon and End of Torvix missions can, in fact, be soloed. I suggested that you might need to do a group to do those. I checked it out, and you guys are correct. You can indeed solo these missions. In fact, the End of Torvix is listed as a Heroic Plus 2. The Aurora Cannon is still listed as a Heroic Plus 4, but its mechanics have been changed so you no longer have to unlock doors and the mobs are easy to defeat. The guy at the end is still a pain to deal with, but I believe you can just run by him, chuck the grenade, and get the heck out of there. So thank you all for setting me straight on that. Now some things that are not part of the United Forces campaign are all the content coming in Game Update 5.6. That includes the new GSF map, the new Warzone map, the Traitor Among the Chiss story and Flashpoint, as well as Legacy Currencies and the revamped Group Finder. We'll have to wait for November 28th for all of that. I do wish they could have snuck in the Group Finder changes with this update. The whole idea of the United Forces campaign is to bring people together so they can play together, and the new and improved Group Finder would have gone a long way towards enhancing that whole experience. So that's everything that's coming in the United Forces campaign. So how exactly will this all play out? Well, I'm going to use myself as an example here and give you an idea of what I expect my experience to be. Of course, it all starts with the server selection screen. When I first log on, I'll see the five servers listed for the first time. The number of characters on each will reflect legacies that have come together. My main server is Shadowlands, so I'll start off by logging into the Star Forge. Hopefully there won't be a queue, but with everyone hitting it at the same time, you never know. And then comes the first big hurdle, the moment of truth. Did I lose any character names? For the most part, I think I'm in good shape, but I won't know until I know. Keep in mind, if a character does get flagged for a name change, you can't log into that character until you change the name. You might want to have some backup names at the ready just in case. It's also a good idea to log on to all of your characters prior to November 8th as this will clear the inactivity flag from those characters. Once I sort out the name issue, I'll log on to my main character. If all goes well, I'll still be in my guild. Even though I'm merging legacies, I'm not expecting to have items in the legacy overflow storage. My legacy cargo hold will remain as it was. I should see some additional strongholds that I can now visit. I don't think I'll be over the cap of 10, but I should be at the cap. My item stash and legacy currency should all be fine. 
I'll log on to my other characters to make sure everything is in order with them. But that should be it. And then the next thing I'll do is I'll hit the group finder to get the achievements. I'll even queue for GSF and see what the wait is like for that. Like if that wait is short and if that queue pops, then as I've said before, I think all of this will have been worth it. But we'll, 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 we'll see what that's going to be like. And then I'm also going to check out the GTN to see what prices look like and see if I can't snag a bargain or two out there. That's what I expect my United Forces campaign experience to be like. For me, it should be relatively seamless and hopefully painless. And despite the fact that we're going down to five servers, I think this is an exciting moment for Star Wars The Old Republic. And I can't wait. Thanks to the United Forces campaign, Star Wars The Old Republic is getting all new servers, and if you follow other gaming news, then you might have heard that Blizzard Entertainment is creating a classic server which will allow players to experience a pre-expansion version of World of Warcraft. Upon hearing this news, I couldn't help but wonder, do we need a classic server for Star Wars The Old Republic? Well, let me just cut to the chase and say no. I don't think that's necessary or even worthwhile. World of Warcraft is 13 years old, Vanilla WoW ended 11 years ago, and the game has changed drastically in that time. The biggest impact of the game came in 2010 with the Cataclysm expansion, the original zones were completely redone, and many of the old quests were removed. That expansion made World of Warcraft a completely different game. Star Wars The Old Republic is about to turn 6. While that's not nearly as old as World of Warcraft, the game has undergone some significant changes since its debut, but are they enough to warrant a classic server? To answer this question, let's take a look at some of the recent changes, and more importantly, some of SWOTOR's shortfalls that would make players opine for a classic server. One of the biggest complaints is that leveling is too easy. Knights of the Fallen Empire streamlined the leveling process and created a faster path from 1 to max level. They also changed things such that you didn't have to worry about out-leveling missions or planets. All of that was nice, but it also introduced changes to gear and companions such that all of the NPCs, combat, and missions were watered-down versions from what they were originally. Knights of the Eternal Throne brought us Galactic Command and changed the way we gear our characters. There is no longer separate gear for PvP, and everyone has access to best-in-slot gear, by playing the game how they want. So a more challenging leveling experience and a return to the old gearing system, including separate PvP gear, are the primary reasons why you would want a classic server. The classes have undergone changes, the original skill trees are gone and have been replaced with the discipline system, but players generally don't view that as a bad thing. So while these changes have moved the game further from its roots, I don't think they're big enough to require a classic server. Since its launch, Star Wars The Old Republic has introduced a lot of conveniences and tools that would be hard to live without. Things such as the group finder, the outfit designer, and dies. There have been a lot of armor sets and mounts and weapons that have been added to the game. The original game didn't have creature mounts. They were added much later. Also, the old content is still there. We're running the old ops and the old flashpoints. It's still current content. The original class stories and missions are still in the game, 
and many people still play all of it. The planets and the game's content hasn't changed enough to necessitate a classic server. And when you look at some of the game's challenges like gearing and difficulty, those are problems that can be solved in today's game if the developers choose to tackle them. I look forward to a classic WoW server because it will provide that feeling of going home again. I don't think a classic SWOTOR server will convey that at this point in time. If the game is still around seven years from now, I may feel differently, but I'm ready to move forward and not look back. Final notes for today. The maintenance schedule for the rest of this year is getting a lot shorter. We've got the United Forces campaign this week, and then on November 28th, game update 5.6 goes live, new story, Flashpoint Warzone, and then as we move into December, there will be maintenance on December 12th for game update 5.6.1, and then again on December 19th. And that's it. Game update 5.6 is the next big one. And after that, we'll be ready to start asking, when is the next roadmap? What's going on with the story? And when will we get our companions back? Is there going to be a new operation? How about a new expansion? The questions never end, but this show certainly does. And that's all I've got for you today. Let me cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 58 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SotorPodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 59 on November 14th. And remember the Sith Code, cake is a lie.